You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Tony Meyer. For more information on other LifePoint Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. I love you, man. All right, have a good night. See you guys later. Awesome. It's so good to be alive and with you guys tonight again. God is so good. We didn't have to go to the hospital or anything. So. Yeah, like uh, Pastor Drew said, it's just an honor for me to, uh, and Kayla and I to be here with you tonight. And for those of you who came back, um, glad you're so glad you're here. Hopefully you got a nap uh, this, this afternoon and uh, maybe watch some football. It's amazing to me how you can have a tie in football. <laughs> Only some of us watched the game, I guess, today. Um, anyway, this morning, I'm just going to say this morning a lot tonight, sorry. Um, tonight, I'm just going to jump right into it. Is that all right? Um, good. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3, if you've got your Bible. Tonight I have a message called The Normal Christian Life. Uh, there was an old book by a man named Watchman Nee entitled The Normal Christian Life where he, he talks about the disparity that we see in our world between the, the average Christian and what God says the Christian life is. And uh, that's essentially the idea of tonight's message that um, there is a God's, there's God's best for us. Would you agree? There's God's standard and Sometimes we see a great disparity between the, what we see around us every day and what God's best is. And when we talk about that word normal, the word normal is an interesting word because it's all about context. Normal. Something that might be totally normal to you might seem very strange to me. I might come to your house and you'd be like, this is something I do every day. This is totally normal. And I would say, that is not normal. Or you might come to my house and see different things that I do and be like, Tony, that is not normal. Nobody else does it. That's weird. And I say, well, it's normal to me. Or my daughter she, at school, she always walks up the, 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 she's four years old. She walks up the stairs in a very strange way. And I say, Evie, can you just walk normal? <laughs> Parents probably hear that. For a four-year-old, I guess that is a normal way to walk. A lot of four-year-olds walk that way. But normal is all about context. Um, a few years ago when my daughter Evie was born, uh, we decided it was time to trade in my, my wife's little red car for a super sweet 2009 Toyota Sienna minivan. <laughs> yeah, Tara Trozen, she told me that when, when I got that car, she's like, I can't believe it. 23-year-old Tony would be punching you in the face right now. <laughs> I said, I know, a little part of my soul was dying that day, uh, buying this, this sweet. But it's so practical, you know, that's what people say. And... Um, so we got this van, and it was great for us. Uh, great deal. I can tell you more about that after the service. But uh, the only problem was is that there was these big scratches on the side of this van. It was like a, a, a kid or an ex-wife or somebody took the keys and just, like, scratched out the side of it, right? And so I thought, no problem. I saw this infomercial for these, like, little pens that you buy, and you just kind of fill, in, fill them in, and it's like, no problem. It's gone, right? So I went to the auto parts store, and I bought this little pen. I went home, and I... I kind of tried to fill it in, and I said, okay, that is not working at all. You can see it. The scratches are down to the steel, the steel so it's not going to work. So I went back to the auto parts store, and I'm talking with the guy there, 
And he said, you know what, I have this perfect solution for you. And I said, that's what I want. And he said, it's only going to cost you $15. And I said, go on. <laughs> uh, he said, I can, I can put this, your car in the computer and the, the type of making stuff, and it's gonna, I can make this perfect mixture of paint that will match perfectly to your car. And all you got to do is apply it, and then boom, we're good as new. And I said, that's exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> that is exactly what I want. And uh, so... Like you're all thinking it's too good to be true, it definitely was. And so I went in the next day and I, I bought this can of spray paint. And, uh, and I went home to this new Vinnie man I only had for like a week. And I wasn't thinking of it about it at all. I'm shaking up this can of spray paint. not thinking about that I'm about to spray paint my vehicle. And I pop off the top and I go, oh no. And it did not match perfectly. <laughs> and you could still see the scratches. But at that point, I tried to wipe it off, and I'm making it worse. So I'm just committed at that point. I'm just spray down the whole door. And so then, for the next four years, we had this spray-painted van. It was very easy to find in parking lots and things like that. And my precious wife was a great sport about it. She said, the inside is all that I'm, I care about. And uh, so for some of you, having a spray-painted van might seem so normal. For me, that was not normal. I was not going for the spray-painted van look at all, at all, not normal, right? So normal is all about context. And I know uh, growing up in the church and around the church and around believers, sometimes I struggled with the fact that what I read in the scripture about the way that the, the, the apostles and the disciples lived their life, there was a great disparity between what I was seeing in my life around me. And so either we change this, or we change this, right? And I, I vote for the latter. And so in Acts chapter 3, we, we get a, uh, uh, an interesting picture of what the normal Christian life is, what normal life is for now for the early Christian church. Because um, we see that Acts 3, is it's about two to four years, scholars say, after the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came upon early believers and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. In John 20, Jesus appears to the disciples who were, they're all scared out of their mind. He had just been crucified. They didn't know that he had risen from the, the dead yet. And, and Jesus appears to them. He shows them his, his side. He shows them his hands. And then he breathes on them and, and they, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in their heart. And they're in, their, in, in them, right? The first, first believers. But then he says, wait, because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Not long from now, he's going to come upon you, and then he's going to give you power to be a witness to the ends of the earth. And so that's what they do. Not long after that, they're, they're praying in an upper room, and the Holy Spirit descends, and they start, uh, the wind, uh, wind comes and fire comes above their head, and they start speaking all these languages that they don't know. And they go out into the streets, and Peter, the, the, the coward, Peter, the prideful, arrogant Peter, gets up and, and preaches a sermon, and thousands of people give their lives to Jesus, and the church is ignited overnight. And so now, in Acts 3, this is two to four years after that, and so we get an, an accurate picture of what everyday life is for the early church. In Acts 3, verse 1, it says this. It says, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at about three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So he gave the man his attention, expecting to get something from them. 
Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up to his feet and began to walk. Then he went from the went from them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. That last phrase is, is used commonly throughout the book of Acts. It was an exciting time to live. It said the disciples or, or the early church, they would step out in obedience in what God had called them, and God would show up and do something, and, and they were all struck with amazement. The, the fear of the Lord, they were like, holy cow, did you see that? That was amazing. That was amazing. That was commonplace in, this, in, in the book of Acts in the early church. So this morning, or tonight, I got three things, and this is not, um, this is not, Rocket science, this is elementary, but I believe that it isn't until we get really, really get the foundational things that we're really, we're not going to get a whole lot of traction in this life. So this, the first thing for the, the, the normal Christian life, the normal Christian follows the leading of the Holy Spirit. Follows the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that first verse, the very first words, it says one day in this translation. It says one day, Peter and John. It doesn't say one extraordinary, one spectacular day. One day unlike any other day. It just says one day. It was just like any other day and they were just going up to church to pray. It says there was a man there who had been there for over 40 years, we read later. He's, he's been lame from birth. And they see this man. I imagine, just think about how many times he's been out that side of that gate every day for years. Imagine how many times they walked past this man. How many times they walked past that man. And in, for whatever reason, in that moment, God said, today is this guy's day. Today is this guy's day. He's going to get up. And he got to involve Peter and John in, in the mix. And the words we see here is it says that this guy asked them for money like he always did, I'm sure. And it says that Peter looked straight at him. Other versions say that Peter fixed his gaze on him. Peter saw him like he, he saw him as a, as a human being, not just as a man begging and asking for money. He saw him for who he was. And then he says, look at us. And when he says look at us, he's not just saying, hey, look up, up here. He's saying like the word look there in the Greek, it means like look deep, like really look at me. It's like when my wife, my wife asked me, are you listening? I'm like, yeah, I'm listening. She's like, I know you heard the words, but are you listening? <laughs> are you listening? Really listen, right? He's saying look at me. No, like really look at me. Today is your day. Today is your day. Peter and John were important men. In those days in the church, they were the leaders of the church. They were respected. It's easy for us to, to not want to be bothered by things. We say, God, would you lead us? I want to follow you wherever you go, but I'm really busy right now. Can we do it again next week? We could be waiting in line at the supermarket, and God could be prompting our heart, and we say, God, I can't right now. I can't. And we make all kinds of excuses and justifications, and we really disqualify ourselves in moments from being used in mighty ways with God. There was a time in my life, and I'm just going to be honest with you today. There was a time in my life that um, I was on my way to a meeting. 
And uh, I was driving in my car, and it was the middle of the winter. It was cold, and I stopped at a stop sign. And I looked over, and I saw this young man. He's probably 20, 21, and it's cold. It's below zero. And uh, I look at him, and the Lord says, you, you need to pick him up and give him a ride. And I said, God, I'm already late for this meeting. I can't. It's a meeting. It's an important meeting, you know. I got I to gotta be there. And God was like, no, you need to, you need to pick him up. And I, I'm just being honest with you today. I, I kept driving. I went to my meeting. I couldn't tell you what that meeting was about today. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, I'm just feeling so convicted. Oh, why didn't I pick him up? God, God could have been orchestrating things for months and months and months for that moment. I don't say that God, I don't say that so we live our lives in condemnation when we miss it. God is big enough to give, obviously, people another chance. But how amazing it is when he involves us, right? This is a partnership. There's, there is a certain amount of responsibility that we, that we have in this whole thing. In a relationship, there's responsibility that we have. And sometimes the noise in our life is so loud that we can't even hear his voice if we wanted to. Or we're so busy, it makes it difficult to find time. What if we actually followed the leading of the Holy Spirit? What if we were quick to say, yes, oh, that's great. Like Peter and John, and then they get to see all these amazing things. The second thing is this. A normal follower of Jesus is dependent on the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, after he says, look at us, and the man looks, like really looks at him, he says, then Peter says, silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have we give to you in the name of, the, in the name of, uh, of Jesus Christ. Peter and John recognized that there was nothing uh, that they really didn't have. I don't have, I don't have my money is not the answer for you. Worldly things are not the answer for you. What I do have is God's spirit, and that I can give you. There was this dependence, there was this understanding that they, that they had that they could do nothing apart. They could do nothing apart from him. Cut off from God, we just really offer some trite advice and some like motivational help, right? But they said, no, it's Jesus. They go on and, and, and they leave there and this man's kind of following them all around the temple and they're trying to, to pray and they're making this big dis disturbance. And all the, all the people in the temple are saying, what's going on? What's going on? And, and Peter says, well, I don't, why are you guys so amazed? He's healed, isn't that awesome? He's like, I don't understand why, it's not us. It's not us who did it. He says in verse 16, he said, by faith in the name of Jesus that this man you see and know was made strong. It's Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that he is completely healed, as you can all see. He said it was Jesus. It's Jesus. It's faith in Jesus. There's this dependence. And it's one of the great paradoxes of, uh, uh, of our walk with God. It's one of the many paradoxes of the kingdom. That as we grow in maturity, we also grow in dependence on, with God. And that's opposite from the world. You know, when you raise kids, you're not raising them to be mature, but also more dependent on you, right? You're, you, want, you want to raise them so they can be independent, self-sustaining, self-sufficient people, members, contributing members of society, right? To raise their kids to do the same. It would be weird. It would be like something would be wrong if you're still 25 years old and your mom is having to feed you every meal, right? Something's wrong. But no, we, ask, we want our kids to grow up and be independent from us. The opposite is true in our, in our walk with God. God says that he, he desires that we be mature and complete and not lacking anything, but also completely depend on him. <laughs> completely depend on him. 
and have this childlikeness, this childlike faith, this childlikeness that says, God, cut off from you. I can do nothing. I can do nothing in this world. It's all about you, Jesus. And what happens when we become dependent on ourselves is really that gives way to fear. And fear is a great adversary of faith. That's why in 2 Timothy, Paul says that God did not give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. Fear is an opposition to your faith. Fear will, will make you powerless. It will paralyze you, cause you to spin your wheels and not do anything. Fear will cause you to doubt the, the love and the, the provision and protection of the Father. Fear will cause you, your th thinking to be distorted and, uh, distorted and not see things clearly. Spend all of your time thinking about all the what-ifs. But faith is something that empowers us to move forward, to step out into the unknown, into places that are uncharted, into places that we never thought we would go. And yet we have God with us as our great defender who's going before us and behind us and beside us, right? A.W. Tozer, he says this quote, and it's kind of a tongue twister, but he says, whoever defends himself will have himself for a defense, and he will have no one else. But let us come defenseless before the Lord, and you will have for your defender no less than God himself. He is our, our great defender. And when we learn to be dependent on him, man, there's no, there's no end to what we can do. I, I just want you to know tonight that God has not called you to an average life. God has called you, he's put you on this planet to greatly influence and affect the people around you. He's not asked you to save the entire world, but he's, he's asked you to influence the, the world in which he's placed you in, your sphere of influence. That you would wake up today, every day, and say, God, I, wanna, I want you to use me today. I want you to use my life today. Like Drew said, if you still have breath in your lungs, if you can fog a mirror, God wants to use your life. God wants to use your life. It doesn't matter how young you are in the Lord, how old you are in the Lord, how young you are in life, and how old you are in life, God wants to use you. A couple years ago, we took a group of students when I was doing Chi Alpha ministry. Drew and I took a, student, a group of students to Tobago. Um, I took some students from University of Iowa, and, um, and Drew took some students from, what's the school here? <laughs> Just kidding. It's the Panthers, right? <clears throat> Just kidding. We took a group of students to Tobago um, on a missions trip, and it was just simply to do door-to-door uh, -door evangelism, uh, so to speak. Really what we would do is just go door-to-door -door and just pray for people, ask people if they wanted prayer. Many of you actually in this room were there. Um, and that year, Tobago was a, a kind of a strange year. It was a difficult year because that island is just really religious, um, kind of... Um, like a few messages ago when Drew talked about godliness without power. They had a form of godliness, but there was no power, and it was just like Christian by name only. So a lot of people really wanted to argue about certain things, and um, this, this had this kind of pride within them. And so <clears throat> we felt a lot of frustration. I remember one night I was praying for this woman, and uh, she couldn't walk. She was an elderly woman, and she couldn't walk, and I was just feeling so frustrated and feeling like I had to muster up something within myself. <laughs> to pray for this woman. And I came to this realization that I was like, There's, I can't do anything for her. I really can't do anything for her. And that night I felt discouraged and we went back um, to, the, to the lodge in which we were staying. And the next morning we were just in an extended time of prayer. 
And as we were praying, actually, Nicole Gilson got up. She's a freshman in college, and you're your children's director. And she got up, and she said, I just feel like the Lord um, is it's just calling us to just a, a greater childlike dependence on him. That he just, so want, he just so desires to see people made whole. That's what he desires to see. And it's not that we would have a cool story that we would just be able to see God do cool things, but he brought us here because he wants, people to, he, wants, he wants people to be made whole. And the tide shifted within us because it, it, it brought us to this simple place of, God, this is, this is your thing. <laughs> this is your thing, and we're a part of it. But this is your thing. So the next day, uh, oh, the devil was, had a bad day. <laughs> Because um, we were just let loose on that island, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and full of this renewed dependence on the Lord. I remember I took a student, his name was Weston, and we went to this house, and there was this woman outside uh, with this big machete hacking down um, uh, weeds. And it's kind of intimidating talking to somebody with a huge machete. And uh, asked her if she wanted prayer, and she said no. Uh, but she had this little girl who came out, and we had these little bracelets that we were handing out to people, or to, to kids. And so Weston gave them gave this girl that the bracelet and there was an older woman sitting on the porch and she waved me over and uh I said I said hi we're just we're just here we're praying for people we just wonder if there's anything that that you'd like prayer for and she said oh yes yes my husband died in October and I've had this just great loneliness within me she said I just can't it just won't stop this loneliness and she said I've I've had all these surgeries on my stomach and the doctors don't know what's wrong but I've had pain constant pain for years not a day without it So I said, would it be okay if I prayed? She said, absolutely. And I prayed. I said, God, I thank you for this woman. I pray in Jesus' name that you just relieve this pain. Heal her in Jesus' name. I pray that you fill her heart with the joy of the Lord in Jesus' name. I looked up at her. I asked her. I said, Mama, do you know Jesus? She said, oh, yes, with a big smile on her face. I know Jesus. I've walked with him for many years. She said, in fact, today I was seeking the Lord this morning, and I asked him, God, when are you going to relieve my pain? And she said, Today, this morning, God said, today would be my day of breakthrough. And she said, and here you are. And all the pain is gone. She said, all the joy, has, and the joy of the Lord has entered my heart. And then at that same time, Weston walked up, and she looked up at him, and she said, wow, you have the face of a movie star. Because, and he does. I mean, he really does. He's an incredibly handsome man. So <clears throat> we continued on down the road, and this little girl followed us and brought her friends. And this is so like God to use children to open up the doors. And uh, home after home after home we came to, um, these kids would go in and get their parents and we would pray with them. And many people uh, came to know Jesus. We came to this last house and um, we thought, man, we got we to gotta get going, Weston. It's getting dark. We're going we're gonna to miss our ride, you know. And he said, just one more, one more. And there was a woman out there and she was watering her plants. And uh, we asked if, if, if she could, uh, if she wanted prayer. She said, well, my daughter, I want my daughter to have prayer. So she ran in the house and was gone for a, a very long time. And we waited and waited, and, and finally they came out. And uh, there was a young woman, maybe 20 or so, and we went and sat on their porch. And uh, we were sitting there, and it was just a calm night, I remember. It was a beautiful night in Tobago. Um, and we're sitting there, and we said, well, what's going on? And she said, about a year ago, 
uh, something happened to me, and, and since then I've been having these terrible nightmares. Every single night I have these terrible nightmares, and they keep me from sleeping. I'm insomnia. I can't, I can't fall asleep. And she said, I continuously, throughout, uh, throughout the day, I have these, uh, these voices speaking to me, telling me the most horrible things. I'll see things climbing on, the, like these d- demon things crawling on the, on the walls. She's like, it's horrible. I'm tormented day and night. I said, it would, would you ever consider giving your life to Jesus? And she said, no, I, I don't want to give my life to Jesus. I've seen Christians and what they're all about, and I've, I've been wronged by Christians, and I don't, I don't want any part of that. And I said, well, what if Jesus healed you? Would you give your life to him? And she said, yes, I would. And so we just we said a simple prayer. God's not looking for magic words. We prayed a simple prayer. God, I pray you'd heal her. I pray the peace of God would come upon her in Jesus' name. Like I said, it was such a calm night. All of a sudden, this breeze came up, and it was just like it washed over her. And she took this deep breath. And, um, and that was it. And most of the time on trips like that, you don't get to uh, see the results. But the next day, there was a couple other guys that were with us, our group, and they went and they, they were on the same block, and they talked to this. This girl came running out, and she said, Tony Weston, Tony Weston. And they're like, well, we're not them. And she said, well, all, you all look alike. <laughs> <coughs> and... Uh, and she said, well, when you see them, tell them that last night I, had, I slept through the night with no nightmares. I haven't heard any voices. I haven't seen any of those things that I've seen. I believe that I've delivered. And this morning I gave my life to Jesus. I hope you hear tonight that this isn't a message of like condemnation that I'm saying. Where you, 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 or me, me, me. So we walk around with our, hanging our heads. But it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a message that hopefully will inspire us that God has so much more than what we're settling for. So much more that when we read this book, we see a God who poured out all of heaven for us so that we could know him and that, that the people that live next door and at our job would come to know him. And I hear a lot of people, and I've been in the same boat, who've complained about our job and say, God, just deliver me from this job. When maybe God is saying, I put you at that job for that person that you're sitting next to who's going through divorce or that woman who's dealing with MS or whatever it is. Maybe you are the answer to their prayer. There needs to be this dependence on the spirit, and i got to move on. Holy cow. The third thing is this. A normal follower of Jesus is obedient to the Holy Spirit. So we see them listen to the Holy Spirit, follow the leading of it. We see them um, realize that there was just this dependence, that there was, it was Jesus, right? And then we see them actually respond and he picks the guy up by his right hand, and he stands up for the first time in his life. There's a responsibility on our part to step out in obedience, in faith. I know there's this longing in each one of us. For times in which we settle, there's this longing within us that, that for something more. That God has, has destined you for something greater than maybe you're seeing right now. There's this longing within your heart that says, God, I want to be used by you. I want to be used by you, not so that I can make a name for myself and be a a church celebrity, but I just want to be used by you. That when I stand before you one day, God, you'll say, well done, well done, well done. You left it all there. Your hands were bloody. Your knees were calloused. Your voice was hoarse. You walked in obedience. Obedience requires us to do something. 
We can't just be outraged by the things in the world that we see around us. Be surprised that sinners are sinning. Be surprised that the world is acting worldly. We can't just be armchair activists. God is requiring us to step out. To realize that wherever we go, that God can use your life to help make somebody whole. A few years ago, Kayla and I, we lived in these townhomes, and there was a, it's like this row of four, four townhomes, and there was a, this older couple that moved in, Wayne and Marlene, and Wayne had this face that was like a, a permanent grumpy face. <laughs> you ever met somebody like that? Just like looks mad. I don't know if he's mad, but he looks mad. And uh, I, one day I was coming home from, from work, um, and I was just really tired. I wanted to take a nap that day, to be honest with you. And I'm about to go in, and he's sitting outside smoking, and, and, uh, and the Lord just kind of prompted my heart, you should go introduce yourself to Wayne. I didn't know that was his name, but you should go introduce yourself. And I said, God, I'm really tired. I've been talking to people all day long. I deserve a nap. You ever had that where you, where you start, as, as soon as you start saying you deserve something, you're in trouble, right? You should just stop. <laughs> God, I deserve a nap. And um, I stopped and I went over and I introduced myself. I said, hey, my name's Tony. He introduced himself. He said, how my name Wayne? And um, his face, his grump, permanent grumpy face actually did communicate what was inside. <laughs> he was a grumpy person, uh, not uh, not a very fun person to talk to, and I, I, I just said, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. So glad that you guys are here, and um, love to get to know you better. You know, I asked him a little bit about his life. He's a re retired truck driver, and um, they just moved from, you know, a different town, whatever. He asked me what I did. I said, yeah, I'm a pastor just down the street at this church, and he said, oh, pastor. Pastors, they're all they're after is your money. And uh, Christians, they all just do this and blah, blah. You know, it's very, had some very strong opinions about believers. And I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that you feel that way. And hopefully uh, we'll get to know each other better. And uh, I'm glad, so glad I got to meet you. Well, you know, very slowly, day after day, I would come out, I would come home and he would be there. We had, a, at that time, we had a dog named Kevin. And Kevin, we we let Kevin out and Kevin would just go over there and just, him and Kevin were buddies. And uh and so I would just go over and sit with them day after day and just talk with them, you know. And after a while, Wayne began to kind of let his guard down. One day, after a couple of weeks, he started telling me about his life and um, just the difficulties that he's faced, that he has kids that don't talk to him because of his alcoholism and, and different things that he's done and he's not proud of. You know, I shared my testimony, my life with him. Uh, you know, we grew up in a bro with brokenness and, and, and lived through addiction and, and how Jesus rescued me from that. You know. Slowly, we began to build a relationship. One time, one day I came home and he wasn't outside. And so that day I went inside and took a nap. And <laughs> um, Next day I came home and, and he was sitting out there and he looked just really down. I said, Wayne, what's going on? Where were you yesterday? I missed you yesterday. You know what happened? He said, oh, I was in the hospital. I've, uh, I'm just having a lot of trouble with my lungs. I, I have really trouble breathing. The doctor's trying to figure it out. And so I was in the hospital. I said, oh, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. And so by that time we kind of built a relationship. And I said, Wayne... You know me, you know. I said, do you think it'd be all right if I, I pray for you? I just believe that, that Jesus can heal you. And he said, and, you know, he got really, like, nervous, and he was looking around. <laughs> and he said, well, he said, oh, all right. So I just really discreetly, you know, you don't have to um, 
be all loud and say the perfect prayer. Your voice doesn't have to quiver like mine and uh, all these different things when you pray. It's just be yourself. That's who God wants you to be. We don't have to be weird. And uh, I just pray a simple prayer. God, thank you for Wayne. Thank you for his life. Thank you for the value that you have in him. I pray in Jesus' name that he would feel you today. I pray you'd heal his body in Jesus' name. I open my eyes and he's looking at me like this. And he says, he said, what did you do to me? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, I felt a tingle and I felt warmth throughout my body. He said, I can breathe. I feel like I can breathe. I said, oh, man, that's the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus. He, he just loves you, man. He's showing you that he's real and he loves you. Well, see you later. <laughs> I went home. The next Monday, uh, I came home and Wayne was just, he's sitting there. He's just, he, could, he was all anxious. And I got, I came in, came in and drove in and he jumped out of his chair and he came over and he's like, Tony, 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 do you remember, uh, remember the other day when you, when you, when you prayed for me? <laughs> remember that? I said, yeah, yeah, I remember. He's like, well, since then, I've, been, I've just been able to breathe. Like, I haven't been able to breathe in a long time. He said, so I was like, you know what? Maybe I got this whole church thing wrong. Maybe I got this whole Christian thing wrong, you know. I'm going to go to church on Sunday. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to go every Sunday. And I don't, Marlene doesn't want to go. She won't go with me, but I'm going to go. And so he was just excited to tell me about that. And you know as well as I do, church isn't, isn't what saves you, right? But it was the next step in his journey with God, his history with God. You know, we left not long after that and, and moved here to Iowa. And uh, Wayne, Wayne wept uh, as we left. And I don't tell you that to pat myself on the back, but they threw a party for us the whole block and just were so, um, just so loved our friendship. What I mean by that is there's, sometimes we feel entitled to certain things. And when things don't shake out the way that we thought they would, we get bitter and we settle for something less than God's best in our life. And this is our standard. Jesus is our standard. And anything less than that is less. And God has not called you to an average life. And I say this a lot. I've said this to college students for years, and I've said this to myself, that if, if, if this whole walk with Jesus is boring, then you're doing it wrong. Because he's called us on this great adventure with him that we could rise above ourselves, beyond our, all of our own stuff. And walk into places that are unknown with this mighty defender on our side. Greatly influencing the people in our life. Amen. Amen. Let's stand across this place. I want to say this because I think there's sometimes, like I said this morning, we look at the apostles or the disciples or people in the Bible as superheroes. But they were just normal men and women of God. They had flaws and struggles and difficulties. But one thing that marked their life was an it was an, uh, for a lot of them was obedience, and it's not blind obedience. It's a it's an obedience based in relationship, true relationship with a father who loves and cares for you. And so this morning, or this tonight, I want I don't want you to feel like you have to have it all together for God to use you. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, God wants to lead you. If you're open and you're receptive to what He's doing throughout your life. You're going to be willing to be embarrassed sometimes and look foolish for him. Do things that are out of your comfort zone, that are inconvenience. And I've learned that God can manage my schedule better than I can. But God is, is, is requiring obedience from us as followers of Jesus. And so tonight, I know we're all uh, you know, in a wide range of spectrums in our walks with God. Some of us are, 
are, have great needs in our life. And God is, God is not unaware of those needs. And he wants to meet those needs. For some of us, we need healing in our bodies. For some of us, you need a fresh touch from God. For some of you tonight, you want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I pray that, that you, you would want that if you don't have it. Whatever the need is, whatever's happening in your life, you need deliverance from, from a, a, a mental illness, depression, or, 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 or some anxiety or something like that. I believe that God wants to heal you from that. I believe something, like Drew said, is something special happens when we carve a night out. Not that God is so impressed that we took a night and we came to church. But I believe in the discipline of, of setting time aside that God can move and God can do something new. And so I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to twist your arm. But I'm telling you that God wants to touch your life tonight. So if you want to receive something from the Lord, would you just come up to this, this altar area? Just come as a church. Come right now. Uh, worship team, you can, you can come. But we're going to come. Just and we're going to pray. We're going to seek the Lord together. I'm going to lead us in a few things. I'm not going to make you do anything weird. The kids are going to come in uh, in a second. And as families, you're going to minister. These are special times. I can tell you, I could, I could tell you many, many um, times that were marked in my life by times where I was just seeking the Lord. Times like this where there's really no agenda just other than, God, we want more of you. We want more of you. If you have really, really little kids, I think you need to go get them. Otherwise, they're going to give them to someone else. <laughs> just kidding. This morning, I shared with, with you how I was a, an addict, uh, alcoholic, a cokehead, a depressed, thought about ending my life every day, and I gave my life to Jesus, and it started a new journey with him. And you know as well as I do, when you give your life to Jesus, it doesn't mean that a switch just gets flipped and everything is all of a sudden okay in your life, right? I struggled a lot that first year, a lot, and uh, I got arrested even, and I wasn't trying. I was really trying hard to be good. <laughs> and um, I remember... I was trying to just fumble through this, this walk with the Lord, and I, I didn't know how to do it. And I found myself striving, trying really hard just to be a good guy. And it wasn't enough. And I didn't have any friends. All my friends had left me. I have obviously my brothers, which were awesome. But I remember one day I was just feeling so discouraged, and I said, God, I don't know if I can do this. I think there's something wrong with me. I'm trying really hard, but I think there's something wrong with me. I, I think some of us can relate to that. We get to this striving and striving and just trying really hard and just feel like maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe I'm not one of the chosen. I said, God, I, I don't want to disappoint my family. I don't want to disappoint my friends, but I, I don't think I can do this. Any, I don't think I can do this. I was ready to throw in the towel. I remember writing in my journal, God, I just need you to rock my world. What I love about God is that even when we pray prayers that we don't even know necessarily what we're asking for, he's still so good and gracious to grant us our request. And I said, God, I just need you to rock my world. Shortly after that, Drew and I and my other brother, we were leading worship at this junior high retreat for all these weird junior hires. Sorry if you're in junior high. It was a Saturday night service, and the speaker got up, and he said, where, where, it was a, he said, where are the three amigos at? And we're like, what is he talking about? 
He said, where are the three brothers? I want you to come up here. And so we all came and remember Drew was standing right here and Bryce was standing right here and he said, you guys, they didn't know us. He said, God, or he said, you guys have been through a, a tremendous amount of difficulty in your life and trauma and tragedy. And you're carrying all these burdens still. You're carrying this heaviness. And tonight, Jesus wants to free you from that. Would that be okay? And I'm like, oh, yes, please, please. I remember he reached out and he touched me just very gently on the chest. And it was like a lightning bolt hit me. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't even know what it was. I started speaking this language I didn't know. And in that moment, he freed me from depression. He freed me from suicidal thoughts. I struggled with the thought of blowing my brains out almost every day. He called me into ministry. He freed me from addictions. I want you to know tonight that I'm not unique in the fact that God said, oh, there's Tony, he's my chosen one, I'm gonna do it for him. But it's all who call upon the Lord. It's all who call upon the Lord. All that just says, God, just show me who you are. Just show me who you are. God, rock my world. You know your need, my needs better than I do. And God, I just need you. I need you tonight. And then God reestablished what normal was in my life. And since then, I, I'm not telling you that I've lived perfectly. I haven't. There's been times where I've turned my back on the Lord. There's been times where I've betrayed him, that I've failed him miserably. But there's just been this fire burning in my heart that has never gone out that says, God, I just want to know you more. I want to know you more. Show me who you are. And God honors that simple prayer. Show me who you are. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.